Hey there, welcome to the Golden Moment Podcast. I'm Mio Biskin. So in today's episode, I had a conversation with Callum Barter. Cal is a Melbourne-based sound engineer of all stripes. In, in the studio, doing live stuff, he does it all. Um, Callum's worked with a very impressive roster of Australia's kind of top artists, uh, including Grammy nominee and four-time ARIA award winner, Courtney Barnett. He recorded and mixed Kurt Vile and Courtney Barnett's album, Lotta Sea Lice, as well as working with ARIA-nominated duo Big Scary and UK's electro soul artist and producer, Sampha. Kel's worked as a live front of house engineer for Big Scary, Japanese Wallpaper, Vance Joy, Courtney Barnett, Sasquatch, and Bill Callahan, to name a few. So he's, he's done some stuff. Another string to his bow is his solid mustache, which upon first sight made me fall in love with Cal. Um, we also, in this episode, he shares a story of the mustache. I bring it up in passing and he's like, well, there's a story about the mustache, which is quite interesting and maybe integral to his success as a sound engineer. So I got to know Cal when I was looking for an awesome studio to track the drums, bass and guitar for my recent album, Golden Moment. And he's working at, he was working at Newmarket Studios in North Melbourne. So I went through the studio with him. He played me some of his work and I just got a really good sense that this is a good human who knows what he's doing and he's going to take care of my music. So that was some of the main reasons I decided to uh, record there. I actually checked out about 12 studios around Melbourne to kind of make my final pick. And so I went there. So in this conversation, what we went through was um, Cal's journey from starting out studying IT straight out of high school and then realizing that really wasn't his path. And then eventually that journey leading him to working with some of the biggest indie bands in Australia and really in the world at this point by working with Courtney Barnett and Kurt Vile. Um, yeah, and he, he also did the live sound on Courtney Barnett's most recent USA tour. So um, in the chat, we also talked about his big move to LA. So he moved to LA um, soon after we recorded the album, actually. Uh, we talked about risk-taking, the importance of a positive attitude, and much, much more. So without further delay and hammering on, here's my conversation with the excellent Callum Barter. Here I am with legendary Cal Barter. Um, thanks for joining me. Yeah, well, thanks for all the way from LA right now, Melbourne based, but in LA, which we will get to. Absolutely. Yeah. It's in, uh, in always sunny LA. Yeah. 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 I notice you're in a t-shirt. So for you, it's afternoon. For me, it's morning. I just got up, got my jumper on. I've got thermals on, got a heater going here. I'm in Melbourne, which you're probably not missing. Last night, the weather was crazy. Right. High winds rain so tell me about la weather right now well it's probably <laughs> like low of 17 throughout the year <laughs> that's the lowest and then wow and then high of especially we're on the west side i'm in culver city which is the west side being the beach side we're mm. like two from the beach from yep. venice santa monica and uh so we'd be 
between five and 10 degrees Celsius different. No, maybe not 10, five degrees Celsius different from the east side, which is Silver Lake, Echo Park, Hollywood. Oh, right. Wow. So in there it can get to like 35, but it might only be 30 here mm. in the heat of summer. Yeah, but it's yeah. great. really like it, it ranges. The medium would be like 25. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Almost. that's so good. Yeah. Which matches your T-shirt, which is easy days. <laughs> <laughs> easy sunny days. Oh, that sounds great, man. Yeah. So I probably should, well, introduce you a little bit. But um, so you're... You're an audio engineer, producer, mm-hmm. mix engineer. I'm sure you do some mastering. Um, you've done live mixing of mm-hmm. bands. You've worked with great artists over over the years. Um, you're also a musician. Um, yeah. What What do you play as a musician? Um, I, I guess I would say I'm a drummer. Is my yeah. That's what I, I thought. I used to play in a few bands. Um, but sort of not in the last, not really in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, but I do play and I can noodle on guitar and noodle on the keyboard, but yeah. I'd say drums is my main instrument. But yeah. not, not playing a lot now means that I, it, like in a band where I'm well-practiced, means that mm. I just play on sessions where, uh, and now here I've got in my studio I've got a little, drum kit and I've got some guitars and amps so it'll be throwing layers down because usually now when I'm working with someone in person here which is not happening right in these very months but (laughs) um, I'll be doing um, it'll be the artist which is usually a guitarist or keyboard they're good at their main instrument and and singing usually and Mm -hmm. then I'll play some drums and yeah Yeah. some, some pieces Cool. And so, um, so you, so in the last, you know, couple of years, you, you mainly been focused on kind of mixing and engineering and yeah, so recording. I moved, I've basically been an engineer for 15 years, mm. maybe getting on a bit longer than that now. And, um, in the last two years I've been to in June this year, it'll be two years in LA. And so, since being yeah, that's been mostly predominantly mixing work with both um, American artists and lots of Australian artists because I've still got the ties to the Australian yeah. scene. Uh, so, yeah, so mostly mixing. I guess I, I love both. I love recording. I love tracking. Mm. Um, and f- with my time at Newmarket in Melbourne where we did mm. the album together, mm. I it's a great space to record a live band, which is exactly what we did. And yep. so that's one thing that I don't get to do a lot of here and mm. in such a space I couldn't do it here. But um Yeah. It's been um it's been uh yeah, that's one thing I've missed. But um yeah, i I I guess by purely just by my um location and being away from Australia and and a lot of mixing work doesn't have to be with the client it can be sometimes with the mm. artist mm. a lot of especially the initial stage is all done by my by myself and then the artist yeah. will send or, or they'll come in and make some changes yeah yeah cool cool great yeah it's um it is amazing the what technology allows just like shifting files back and forth 
even not too long ago, it was still a challenge, like to have something like Dropbox or whatever, have enough space. But now there's just so much online cloud storage or whatever, like Google uh, drives and. Yeah. Like a guy from the UK sent me a song this morning or overnight. Right. right. Eight, eight gigs of data and, yeah. all this, and the internet here is so fast. So, yeah. Within 20 minutes, I've downloaded it and I'm into a mix. Yeah, know? yeah. It's phenomenal. It's so amazing. 10 years ago, it'll be posting the hard drive and waiting three weeks for it to come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, maybe let's go back. Let's go back in time um, yep. to sort of how this journey started because um, before this, before we started this chat, we talked about how people go on very different journeys to get to where they're at. Like there are, there are lots of different ways, avenues in to what, what you do as a, as a musician, as an engineer or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And so where did things sort of initially start for you? Where was your, where was your interest in music peaked? Uh, Well, I always, I had a very musical family. I um, loved music and learnt, I sorry, learnt guitar when I was, I can't remember what age, I don't know, maybe four or five, like prep, you know, early, very early school started learning guitar or learned piano first and then learned some guitar. High school started learning drums. And then, so always interested. And then when coming into VCE, not knowing what to choose for university, such a daunting thing like <laughs> choosing the rest of your life in yes, yes. When you're 17 years old. And um, my thought process was to choose something that wasn't music and keep music as a hobby mm, mm. Uh, to sort of get a money-making job, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then I <clears throat> ended up going into computer science, which I think only because I had the scores for it. Had mm. I had not got the scores... I would have gone straight to music and I think yep. I would, it, nothing, I'm no regrets at all, but uh, it would have been a quicker process. But I yep. tried that for a couple of years and it was just so dry, not creative, especially not in the early stages. So now, so I left that and then I started studying an RMIT in the uh, music, industry, music industry technical production. Mm. And um, that was the first time I've, was always interested in sound and like my dad played in a bush band and he'd have this crappy little PA in the back of a tra- uh, trailer and mm. I'd love to set that up. Right. right. Uh, but no, not much of an idea beyond, you know, plugging a guitar lead into an amp. Yeah. And then I remember in that first few weeks of uh, RMIT that especially in the studio sense, they, the lecturer, like showed us a Pro Tools session. It was just some daggy song and there was a bass mistake and mm-hmm. they, he just fixed it. Like, right. and it was the first time I'd ever seen that. Right, right. <laughs> just like a cut and a paste. Yeah, like so simple. We would do that like with our eyes shut now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so what year roughly was this then? So this must have uh, been very early days of Pro Tools. Yeah, that was uh, year 12 was 2001, two, three, okay. 2004. Okay, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was Pro Tools either 4.9 or 5.1 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We're at Pro Tools beyond 12 now. It's, it's, yeah. it's definitely 
pretty basic back then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so then, and then from then on, it was actually quite good because I went to university doing computers mm. and it was, I, I sort of learned how to and how not to go to university. If right. you know, how to okay. not be hungover, not be right, right. Listening, like, you know, taking notes. I went from basically not being interested to going there and I was like front row asking every question, writing yeah. out notes yeah. and just, There's I a lot think. Of just, parallels in our story uh, here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I, when I finished high school, I wanted to do music, but I, it was like the top pick. I wanted to go study jazz guitar in, in Geelong where I grew up mm-hmm. and I crossed it out and I went and did building design and drafting because my dad was a builder. Oh yeah. And, and it was a more money job, job the yeah, money yeah. job thing. And then it took me years to come back to it. So when I went, I, was, I went back and did that, that music course, but I was 27, uh-huh. 26 uh-huh. and I was front row. It's like, <gasps> just like drinking it up. So yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, I was a total nerd. Yeah. And I was I mean, never like that in school, like in high school or whatever. Yeah. Well, so see, that's my, interesting. My, my thought is that we wouldn't have been like that had we gone straight to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Freedom of being out of home. And I moved from the country down in South Gippsland to Melbourne, yeah. the big city, like all sorts of distractions. So, yeah, yeah. I yeah. And I'd, I'd worked full-time as well like i i studied that building design then i went and worked for seven years or whatever six seven years full-time in an office and i was like oh my god so i I, yeah i really valued education like i could go back and um yeah and i saw all the all the youngsters who were coming in from high school and they were just they were just you know faffing around and not really taking it seriously and i'm like oh my god you don't know what you're missing here this yeah. is like an incredible opportunity. You're sitting here all day learning like music theory and practicing. And uh, yeah, it blew my mind. But yeah, I, I think you, you're totally right. I may not have appreciated it. Yeah, I'm sure we would have loved it. Yeah. You know, but to, to that degree. So in a sense, my wasted two years were perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so then I went to... So in, in that first year... In my course at RMIT then, there was uh, 70 kids in that course mm-hmm. in the year, split up, split up over three or four classes. And then um, throughout that year, there was probably, probably at least 40 would have dropped out, I'd say. Oh, wow. Hold on. No, at least 30. So it was more, less than half. Mm. Say 30 dropped out and there was 40 left. Mm the end and then the next year was the first year they offered two years oh, right. and it was TAFE and back then the, the TAFE support financial support was incredible yeah. my sec- second year I shouldn't tell you how much it was <laughs> well, it was $196 <laughs> my second year yeah it's wild. It was like incredible and I'm still, I'm still paying off my hex from my computer <laughs> computer yeah. oh man <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so then I did that. Should I keep going on my, yeah, yeah, on your (laughs) meteoric rise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I um, went from, um, from there and then being so interested in it and then learning about like working, work experience and 
the possibilities of where and how to do work experience mm. and to experience in every avenue of sound, basically. And my friends were playing in bands, so I would go to the pub and mix their band, go to some terrible venues, and yep. I would. And I slowly started buying a couple of core elements, like a good vocal mic, mm. and all of that. Especially because my friends' bands at the time were not known or anything like that, so they weren't playing it anywhere established. So things mm. like a traffic equalizer that couldn't wouldn't be in some of the venues. It's just like yep. a going to PA that's it so I bring a few core elements to make to do the job somewhat properly yeah and and it was really great because then the PAs are bad the bands are bad I'm bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) learning it all and try trial and error and it becoming quite um it was a great way to learn because it's like yeah not going to do that next time yeah yeah signal path different lots of in in so many different ways and then through that i would meet the bands that are opening for them yeah and and it went from mixing my friends bands for nothing to a little bit of cash here and there yeah and so i did i was doing that and then i um i actually it was the end of that first year at rmit i contacted the manager at new market studios yeah and i started work experience there So I've theoretically been there for my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, cool. So you did your, your work experience there. Yeah. And, which, and how, how long did that go for? Was that just like a couple of weeks? And then how did that transition into you being there? It sort of started as going there for work experience, which was you sort of go for just any particular days that are suitable yeah. to to the session because sometimes yep. it might be not suitable to have anyone in. Yeah. Uh, so I would just come in here and there and I, I just got to know, got, we, the manager and I got, got on really well and um, they just put in Pro Tools the year after, the year before right. I was there. It was fully analogue before that. Right. And so he was, the manager Ben Hurt at the time was, awesome on analog and he was just learning pro tools right right year at at rmit learning pro tools so i was an asset to him because i was over the pro tool side of things somewhat not over it i understood some of it (laughs) yeah yeah and so and it just evolved into um lots of work experience (laughs) which is just a name to put on (laughs) paid labor basically (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> because not because he didn't want to pay me because there's no money because yeah. the bottom line is for a studio to survive like they can't really be paying anyone yeah work you know for work experience so then we would and you just have to charge the artist more which is just not you know it's already hard yeah. as it is yeah so, yeah yeah everyone's yeah. trying to keep that cost as low as they can to make it work <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And then at a, I remember it was probably at least a year later and, and me being in there regularly, mm. so probably halfway through the next year while I was still at university, the, um, he asked me, he offered me, text me, texted me saying, are you free on Friday to do a paid Pro Tools operated job? Mm-hmm. 100 bucks, 12 hours. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Like yeah. paid to be in the studio. So yeah uh, 
and from then on it just slowly went and I was basically doing assistant things and then yeah slowly slowly bringing in bands that I'd met from doing those live gigs with my friends and then yeah, my friends yeah. and friends of theirs and the circle expands and then yeah bringing the studio and then um yeah and then probably I'll just keep charging on then at the, yeah. at the same time I also did some I had a contact friend worked at Federation Square for the production company and he was worked in AV there yeah. and so I had some work experience there and that was in the same year as well basically mm-hmm. I was just diving in anywhere I could and that yeah. they yeah. lots of bigger production some small some book launches some po- poetry readings and then mm. some big concerts for anything from PBS to Australian Idol, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Right. And my first day there was a Sunday morning. This was uh, my first like work experience day. Yeah. Sunday morning, the the Sunday before the AFL grand final. Yeah. Or Sunday morning, 3am start. (laughs) And I setting up a PA for basically grand final week at week at Federation Square. Right. Right bunch of PAs because the screen and there's all sorts of things going on. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was like, worked probably 11 hours that day, starting at 3 a.m. Yeah. And then um, that was the start of, I guess, that. and from that it turned into a paid job. So then he was offered me, he liked what I did. I was yeah. trying, tried to be as, um, what's the word? Just tried tried to be as useful as possible. Yeah, not knowing anything because because that's yeah. a much higher level. <laughs> you know, little little eight channel mixer at a pub to yeah. suddenly a proper PA liner A or something like. Yeah, really yeah. Guessing my way through it. Yeah, and asking questions, and so that turned into paid work, which was great because then throughout the next sort of three years, let's say from then until three years later, the, um, that turned into lots of, I could, I was doing this other non-music related job. Um, I was selling ball bearings, just something completely unrelated, but amazing. It was like a made up job (laughs) to make for a good story. But so that was my, my sort of cafe job. And then the, over the course of the next two years, three years, I was able to leave the cafe job and then everything I was doing was music. Yeah. Well, not necessarily music, but audio. Yeah. yeah. The audio visual stuff was not music, but, um, but it was all to do with speakers and microphones and yada, yada. So that moment, which I think is the thing that really helped me was to get lots of different avenues mm. in every anything to do that's closely related to the industry that I was yeah. interested in. Music was the main focus, but anything to do with audio is, is great, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. so then focusing on that. So with lots of fingers and lots of pies to then, so then rather than, cause the calf, the bearing, the ball bearing job was kind of a waste of time except money. Yeah. Yeah. So, get out of that pay everything rent, all that yeah that's right but so then if i once i could pay the rent from the mainly there was the fed square job um i could 
I was, everything was beneficial because there I'd meet other engineers who were then mixing a gear at a pub the next night. And it's like, Oh, I can't do Friday. Can you do it for me mm. that way? And it just keeps, just expands the network basically. Yeah. And then I'd meet bands there and then I'd meet engineers and I'd say I'd work at Newmarket as well. And they'd say, Oh, come over here. And then, yeah. And then probably, I can't remember what time it was, but in within this sort of three years, probably I, my friend was working at a friend who I went to RMIT with. He was working at Bakehouse Studios in, which was yep. the studio was in North Fitzroy at the time. Yeah. And I started doing some work there with them. Yeah. And, and a couple of years later, I ended up taking over his position there. So I was sort of at right. Newmarket and Bakehouse, and right. but sort of more of a junior engineer at Newmarket and senior engineer at Bakehouse. Yeah. So, and I spent probably a good, probably like seven or eight years at Bakehouse, I think, on and off. Like it was, it was never full time at either of them. Right, right. Just freelance at all of them, basically, all of these jobs. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that was great because Bakehouse, Helen and Quincy have done such a great job of creating that community that, that they yeah. have. And then the studio being connected to the rehearsal rooms, there's so many bands that know that studio. Yeah. So um, there was a, and it was a, it was, it was a, at the time it was a lower level studio than Newmarket. So yeah. it was half the price. Right, right. So it, it, it attracted a lot more clients not all of them necessarily good good as subjective but yeah yeah it's just a bigger network earlier in their career or something to get some demos or ep together or something exactly and then sometimes these amazing artists would come in because of helen and Quincy's connections yeah yeah so then basically the the bottom line is that i just had lots and lots of fingers everywhere basically yeah in different studios, in different um, venues, in different gigs, in different bands, and then bands, friends of friends of bands. Yeah. It just goes on and on. And then I think through that and and then, then the live work turned into touring work with bigger bands. Yeah. Where they could afford to fly me around and like over the course of now we're sort of scooting ahead a few years. but Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then if once you're touring with a band and then you meet other bigger bands, then they're like, oh, if, if he's good enough to mix them and sounds yeah. great, he's heard his mix, it's great. So we'll use Cal for the next tour. Yeah. And then, and then it really helped my studio career to be working with the higher level indie bands. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd meet them where I, if I wasn't out touring, I wouldn't mm, at them, I'd be just in the studio and just meet the one or two band that would come in. Yeah. So then extend, expanding my network even more so yeah. at, at, at a higher level. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that that one, I think once once my live work, work turned into touring work whilst I was in the studio, that really, really benefited my, um, mm. my I guess, my credit list <laughs> yeah 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 and everything kind of starts to feed oh i guess it's like this slow upward spiral so there are a couple of really uh, standout like patterns of what you're talking about here that mm-hmm. 
the, the first is like the willingness to just jump in and do anything like, and, and anything kind of music related and just say yes to everything unpaid shit venue, bad band, (laughs) whatever the conditions. But it's Um, music. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think it's just to like hone the skill, just be just like time in the saddle, like just getting familiar with everything and becoming very versatile in all the different situations, understanding digital recording, analog recording, like just having every tool (laughs) available, um, to be able to do it. The other part is, um, second part is the networking part so just how that's um like this ever expanding circle Mm -hmm. that i guess starts to build a gravity that pulls in bigger and bigger asteroids (laughs) in the universe exactly right yeah and um yeah and then that helps with more more experience higher level during mixing experiences better skills better network (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just a kind of a, a really slow snowball that just gets bigger and bigger and yeah, so it's a just- slow burn. That yeah, I, I think uh, I, I have you know I'm just projecting here, but I think in our culture today, everything kind of people want things very quickly, and if they don't see results immediately, they're just like ah, oh, this doesn't work, or mm-hmm. I'm out of here, or whatever. So that. Um, so that slow burn thing, what, what do you think um, got you to continue, you know, within that slow burn in the beginning, like when you're not seeing, I don't know, you're not doing the greatest jobs or whatever. What's like the main thing you think kept your interest? Or? It's a good question. I, I, think, I think my love for my love for audio, I guess, which... Mm. I didn't necessarily know that I had mm. <laughs> until I started studying it. I knew I loved music. There was no question about that. Mm. Very musical family, like I knew that was there. And but my family's not very technical. They had a couple of amps at home, but mm. you know, like nothing beyond that. So as far as <clears throat> I guess I was it was a friend, actually, the friend who got me the work experience at Federation Square. He was my friend from school. His Her boyfriend worked there. He was right. a couple of older than me. And, and he had done it the same course. fly buzzing around in here, sorry. <laughs> Get rid of that. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, so he, he had done that RMIT course, Yeah, I think, or a, a similar course. And I was talking to him about... Um, changing about potentially going to study sound and stopping com- the computer thing. And, um, yeah, he, he was like, well, you know, if you, if you're into it, do it. I, I guess I'm digressing, but I think it's just, I just found something that I really loved. Yeah. And maybe like we talked about earlier that doing something that I didn't love being the computers at, at, um, yeah. university, which might have been the situation, like if I went back and studied now, I'm sure it'd be different. Mm-hmm. But, but um, yeah, I, I just didn't get much out of that at all. Yeah. So, and then like even 
it, it definitely had its bumps through the, through the road. Like sometimes mm. I'd be sitting in a studio like for 12 hours a day assisting unpaid or mm. maybe paid like, you know, illegal wages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if that, it's sort of <laughs> it's less illegal to pay than nothing than it is to pay a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was often nothing. <laughs> but um, yeah. but thinking like I'm trained, I've got four years experience. Yeah. I could be recording this guitar or whatever. Yeah. But then, and, and I definitely had a few of those hurdles where I'd be like frustrated and like, mm. like you know, and watching my friends in real, uh, real jobs, like mm. start to earn more money and, and that, and I wasn't, you know? Yeah. So I was earning enough, but not, you know, not like yeah. your, your standard trajectory of um, a career. Yeah. And um, that's not creatively <laughs> involved. Um, mm. So then, yeah, I think just the draw of getting over that hurdle and then seeing how everything can benefit later, even if it's not in that instance. For example, at that Fed Square job, <clears throat> there was, um, I used to do lots of poetry readings. Mm-hmm. And there was these, uh, they were great. I wasn't into poetry at the time. And, and the, the speakers were speaking so quietly. Like mm-hmm. that's, they're not public speakers, they're poetry writers. So they're, yeah, yeah. And they speak so quietly and they stand 20, 20 metres from the microphone. Let's <laughs> project that across 100, 200 people. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, why am I, what am I doing here? You know, like yeah, what is yeah. this and why is this helping? But then that made me tune my ear so that I could mm. tune a PA exceptionally well. Yes, yeah. So then I can roll into Splendour in the Grass and mix a, mix a gig to 10,000 people. Mm. With and not not question like fuck there's feedback happening where's that coming from yeah 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 thanks to the poetry readings <laughs> yeah that's so, so good. i think it's, it's when you get to the hurdles yeah think about, well you know and the amount of context contacts that i gained mm. mostly other engineers which mm. a lot of the time especially early on and especially in live mm. you know all yeah, the, work yeah. the other engineers. Yeah. Yep. So I, I like, and for me, like I'll, I can't do this tour. I'll call my friend and say, Hey, can you do, what are you doing in September? Can you do this? Tour? Yeah. Yep. And so that's the way it works. So then just yeah. looking past the, the bits that aren't so exciting. Yeah. And looking for the gold. That's right. Yeah. The golden moment. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That nice. Always, always got to find a way to sneak that in. But um, yeah, that that reminds me of a really great story I read um about um Thelonious Monk, the jazz pianist, who Is that on your album. What's that? Didn't you sing about that guy or something? No. Uh no, I don't think so. But I just absolutely love him. I love his music. I love his approach. I love. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he pioneered the bebop kind of movement in jazz essentially really started with him. A lot of people get credit like John Coltrane or whatever, but um, he's phenomenal. But he, uh, there's this great story in his biography where um, lots of people were learning from him. So they would come to his house and he, 
he's sort of um he had developed a lot of like harmonic stuff in jazz that other people were like what is he doing had no idea um and so someone like miles davis learned from him and um everyone basically (laughs) charlie parker (laughs) and one of them was at his house and he had the radio on and there was some like country country song on some country and western thing playing and um this other jazz cool jazz cat was bagging it just like oh you know this is so lame and simple and there's nothing going on here and and he just sat there and in silence for about 30 seconds and then he said just listen listen to what the drummer's doing listen to what he's doing with the brushes oh yeah and they just listen he's like and then he just talked about that and he's like there's all there's always something you know in the music if you if you listen really hard you'll find something you can bring into what you're doing so so that's kind of reminding me of that like the brushes is like the poet with the microphone 10 meters away going and then the sunrise whatever but if you're attuned to kind of pulling out the lesson or whatever it can really hone hone your skills and then you can and then you can suddenly focus on on that in that example the song yeah and really, rather than get nothing out of the experience at all, because you're like, oh, it's, yeah, whatever for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With uh, recording the, the less experienced bands with the less experienced songwriting mm. earlier on in my career, and which is a song a uh, question a lot of people ask, like, what, what do you do if there's a band you don't like, or if you don't mm. like the song, or whatever? Mm. It's inevitably going to happen. Mm. And I, my, I always find that, especially, especially if it's a different genre, it's sort of easier but to explain. Well, not necessarily. But anyway, it doesn't matter how good or bad it is. You just find one element. So, say it's mm. a bad band. Mm. They're playing out of time. Mm. The guitars are out of tune. Whatever it might be, mm-hmm. the song's bad. <laughs> the, you focus on it. There will generally be one element, like the brushes, that mm-hmm. is really good and then you can then I'll find I'll focus on that for instance it might be the guitarist in the band mm-hmm. but well the guitarist is really holding this band together mm-hmm. and, and so I'm gonna maybe I'll double track his part because then it will sound really big mm-hmm. and then um, and the, his rhythm's good the drummer's rhythm's not so good so I'll f- have that higher in the mix and mm-hmm. basically figure that choose that thing that's really good or well, might not be really good, but it's better than the rest and then make the whole thing a better thing, a, yeah, better, yeah. a better song, a better outcome, better recording. Mm. So, and that's, you know, that's been really good because then it's like, because if you're sitting there with the analogy of this is a terrible band, I don't want to be here recording them. You should just tell them that and leave because <laughs> yeah. it's not going to help them. It's not going to help you. It's yeah. Really go back to the ball bearing job, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so change whenever I'd find I'd get in that mindset of mm. if I'd fall into the trap of, oh, he's not very good, so this is going to be a bad recording. Yeah, yeah. I'd go, how can I make this a better product? Yeah. And, okay, well, the guitarist is good, so I'll focus on that. Yeah. Then, yeah, it, it seems like even from from working with you um something that really 
comes through and I think it's coming through in this sort of conversation mm-hmm. is having a positive attitude, just like const- like constantly having a positive attitude. Is that reflected back to you often just that you're buoyant, you, you tend to see the brighter side, you're able to you know, find the gold amongst the muck. Yeah, How important I, is that in, in what you do? Well, I think it's crucial. It really <laughs> is because yeah. especially in the studio because the studio is, it's like a mind game. It's, it's, like, it's like the best place in the world and it's the worst and it's the scariest and it's the most exciting, mm-hmm. especially for the artist. Mm. It's a lot of the, most of the time paying for the time to be there. Mm. So in, like, like if, if you're like suddenly put down, whether it be $5 or $50,000, mm. regardless of the amount of money put in, yeah. always that concern of, oh, <laughs> was this worth spending whatever it was? And yeah. then, and then as soon as you start to think about that whilst you're in the studio, yeah. it's, it's gone. Done for. Then, so you need to, which, and it's normal to get there, but then you've got to get out of it quickly. So I find yeah. like staying positive, being, being um, flexible really gets then, for, like if I'm flexible and positive and helpful, mm. then I get the best out of the artist. Yeah. And then that's just going to help both of us. Yeah. So I think it's crucial because if, if the artist is more relaxed or let's say that it's getting to, say we plan to record three songs and it gets, and it's, we're almost at the end of the day and we've recorded one. Yeah. Then figuring out a way for me to explain to everyone that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> figuring out there's a million, you know, ways that could be okay and, just figuring it out so then we could, because we might not have quite finished that one song and I think yeah. it's like in, I might decide I think it's best to finish this one song and get it really good than yeah. to get three that are not very, that are all rushed. Yeah. Focus on the positives of that. Yeah. Um, and then, and now I can see it in the, in the artist or the band, they just suddenly will relax because they're not like, Okay, let's done. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah, it's the worst way to yeah, be yeah. in the creative mode, like to be in a pan- panicky state or whatever. Exactly. So, yeah, that's really interesting. The the mind game aspect of it, I think, is like super important. So, um, I don't know if you know, but I work with artists, and it's all mindset stuff. So this, you know, I run workshops on on this like creativity mindset mastery oh. is what I call it. But what's that? That's the heart of it all. It is, yeah. Because that's kind of ultimately what I realized at one point. Because I'd, uh, you know, I'd kind of quit my job and moved overseas, moved to Berlin to do music. Mm-hmm. And even that move was like really huge. Like it was a it was a mindset thing, can, which we'll we'll get to with your can, recent move. Um, and then I was touring, you know, with amazing artists with Gautier and all this stuff all around Europe. And then I came back to doing my own tours and I just realized it was a mindset thing that I was like, if I don't handle my beliefs around, I don't know who I am as an artist and my identity as an artist, whether I can do this or not, then I'm, it's just going to chew me up. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time just reading lots of books and 
like uh, got a mentor and all that stuff. And, um, and well, Clay Bowditch, who you probably know, kind of mentored me for a time. And, um, yeah, I just figured out that's, I would almost say it's a hundred percent of the game, whether you continue or not. I use, there's like people throw stuff around about mindset. Like it's 80% mindset, 20% mechanics, you know, just like going through the actions of doing it. But the mechanics don't happen if the mindset isn't there. Yeah. So I'm like totally, you know, a devotee of this idea that, you know, your mindset is just so crucial in whether you move forward or, or not, you know, whether you kind of get taken out because basically your entire reality is being created in here, you know, like you're in your, with your brain. So if your brain's not helping you, it's, it's hurting you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so in the recording studio, like even the session that I did with you, like, you know, I really had to prepare mentally for it. I knew like, yeah, because the weight was on, wasn't on anyone else. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm paying for the studio. I'm paying for the guys paying for uh, producer Marty Brown who came in. So he did a- yeah, he did an awesome job. Um, so yeah, like that, that can be so easy to be like, this is costing me like this amount of money and we fucked that take up and we're, and we're recording to tape as well. So like added pressure. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I, I won't go further into that, but yeah, really had to, prepare myself so I could be really relaxed. And I have to say that um, working with you, one of the reasons uh, I chose to, you know, record at Newmarket was because of you, your temperament and your attitude when we came in and had, you know, a listening session. Um, oh, and the way that you, you worked really supported that. So, you know, I think you've become quite expert in um, managing that space and the, you know, the mindset and emotions of, the people you're working with. The thing I recall the most is for, for a lot of it, you're just very relaxed and you mm-hmm. set that tone like, right, this is all cool. It's all fine. And you were yeah. like this phantom who would just come in and like fix stuff and make things happen. And like your headphones are right there. This is there. So I didn't have to like think about too much or have any right. added stress or whatever. It was just such a smooth process. So. It's a very intentional thing. I'm glad you noticed. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> all of those little things, like if your headphones are glitching, one side's dropping out or something, like that's yeah. so distracting. And then creatively, yeah. you can't create if you've got a distraction. Yeah, no, no. So it takes thing, out of it. It um, as an engineer, like I really try and minimize those things. And like you said, the ghost to try and yeah, so that you don't notice. If there's anything wrong, you don't know about it. Yes, but yeah. You're knowing whilst we're having a conversation about something else so you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I say to you, the tape machine's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, that's the reason we came here. Like, that would be like, you'd, your heart would just die, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. So if it, it didn't, but <laughs> if it yeah. Yeah. I would diffuse it and change something and fix it and then without you even knowing about it. Yeah. And I, that's, and working with the producer with Marty in that instance, yeah. which I, I love often I'll do both produce and engineer mm. and um, which I enjoy, but it's this in 
and depends on the situation, but it, there's a reason why there's two jobs. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Especially back in anal- fully analog days, like yeah, it was very hard. It was there was just so much to do as an engineer that you mm. sort of produce in a sense. But you would um, but so with Marty there, that means that I can even do an even better job of that. Yeah, yeah, you can really focus in and get it right and be very present. Yeah. So so then, and then like um fixing something without you noticing like because marty will be in the middle of a conversation with you about something mm-hmm. and i've changed it whilst you're you know taking a breath doing that so it's yeah it's it, that was i guess you got a even better better side of me because i, I didn't have the um mm. you said weight or hat on so to speak yeah so yeah it was a really enjoyable session i, I had a great time yeah, yeah, me too. Loved it. Um, cool. Let's um, let's chat about present day. <clears throat> so, well, the the transition into the extension of your story, I suppose, has kind of continued to expand. So that um, you decided to move to LA and your family. So you have a uh, you have, have two, one. You have two two kids. Yeah, now two and four now. Yeah, cool. Um, so. You- so the stakes are even sort of higher in, in a sense of making career decisions like this. They could not be higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, what, so what initially prompted you to go to LA and then um, how has that transition been and what are the challenges been? And Well, it, my wife is American and she oh, lived. Right. I met her in Austin, Texas, which for South by Southwest in, yeah. back in 2012. I met her. Yeah. 12, 13, 12, 13, 12. And um, I was on tour and she was, she was working in music licensing at the time. Yeah. And we were both, I was on tour with Big Scary and she was doing licensing for Big Scary. So that's how we, um, the connection was there. So, and then um, short story, she moved to Australia. We got married. We had two kids. And so she's, and she lived in LA. She's not from LA, but she had like 15 years here. Mm. So she's always had a draw to come back here. Yeah. And go, go back to LA. So, and me as a, um, I'm, I love traveling. I've done t- mo- mostly touring, but I love regardless. I've never mm. done like travel year or anything like that, but I've done, visited so many countries, mm. visited every corner of Australia mm. or, thankful to thank or, or luckily mostly because of touring and mm. then at the tour I might tra- um, tack on a holiday at the end or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I always loved touring, but as far as moving even cities, mm. <laughs> which I like to move countries before I met her, I, I don't think I would have ever done that. Mm-hmm. I, I would have talked about it, but it's, would have been too scary, too big of a thing to change. When I moved to, I moved from the country where I was, I was in the house that I grew up in from between two and 18. We never moved. Yep. And then I moved to Melbourne and I pretty much didn't move out of the Carlton postcode for yeah, like yeah. 10 years. Yeah. More, 15 years. So, like, I moved houses, but, like, barely even moved postcodes. Yeah. You, know? you moved houses, but not shopping centre. 
Like, you still <laughs> shop at the same place, go to yeah. similar cafes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah so, right. so um, so yeah. So then, then um, there was the draw to come here, and as far as me being an engineer producer, like music is huge in Los Angeles. It's yeah. just there's <clears throat> so much. It's it's incredible. Like mm. the population of LA county is like ten million or something, which mm. is half, half the population of Australia. So it's mm. like yeah, not all those people are music, but and then yeah. it is because um, LA and Hollywood and mm. just everything LA is so music or or um, film or TV or anything, yeah. so much creative stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. That it's it was like a huge opportunity to do it. Yeah. Scary thing. One of the million scary things for me was um, being freelance, mm. which I was even at my role at Newmarket mm. um, as a manager there. There was no wage; it mm. was commission based setup. So it was all based on my client base and yeah. through, talked about the networks, the different avenues of work. Um, I like for me to move countries, even if I was to, to move to Sydney, for example, like 80% of my clients would not be able to work with me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when, that's what I thought anyway. So yeah. then, um, moving to America where the Australian scene is really strong and it's great and certain and, and within Australia, there's certain bands that um, do exceptionally well, but then beyond mm. Australia, never yeah. heard of. Yeah. And then, you know, that's changing with, with the times, like now with, you know, Spotify and social media, like if a band goes well, it's more likely that it'll go well worldwide yeah. than it would have pre-internet, you know. Yeah. But, but so moving to America where most of the artists I'd, worked with for example i've got a gold record for a single for british india in australia mm. but like the, they have had a release here but no one like if i no mm. one it, no one have <laughs> only australian <laughs> heard of them yeah, and great, yeah they were huge they had like a huge a 10-year career in yeah uh, touring and so many albums and <clears throat> and not and no one knows them here so yeah and that at the time would have that i like that at the time was one of the biggest albums I'd done. So yeah, for the biggest album I've done to mean nothing. <laughs> yeah. Everything. It's like, well, well, if you haven't heard of that, you haven't heard of anything, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> kind of, in a way, starting from scratch or all the yeah. credibility that often you use to, to pull in work and clients or whatever yeah. just gets like squashed down to one line or something. Yeah. <laughs> So then I was lucky I had one album that I, um, Courtney Barnett and Kurt Vile record. Yeah. A lot of sea life, a lot of sea life. Yeah. That did well internationally. Yeah. So very fortunate that I had that up my sleeve and it was quite yeah. recent. It, would, it was released yeah. the year before I got here. Yeah, yeah. Released in like October or something and I came in June 2018. So it's quite fresh and everyone loved it. Yeah. 
so in especially in indie music like which is predominantly my scene i guess yeah um if i so when i came here or even beforehand if just like um sending emails and cold calling like it would at least get some introductions and open a few doors because i had one album which was really helpful but yeah basically like aside from that and i'd worked with a few known live bands touring like doing live sound yeah that were yeah vance joy mm. um, for example and so they were known here but i hadn't recorded their album and most of the work i was looking for especially with kids now i've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old yeah. going on tour. it's I, i've done it here and it's it's great. I love it, but it's not a family sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so fortunate that I have the studio skills. So I don't have to all the time. Yeah, yeah. I just did a tour with Courtney here. She right, did a right. solo tour, which is basically a month, 30 days I'm gone. Yeah. Whereas, and that's usually from the first of the month to the end of the month. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, which you should be doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it Most of the time is... Weekends, you leave Thursday, Saturday, uh, Sunday, yeah. and you do between one and ten times for a yeah. tour. So it's so different because there's yeah. so many markets here. So then yeah. into that world. So for me to come here, because live was a good way to, I could step into live quite easily here because there's so much yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm not here. There's, it's just... Um, Part of on the family basically so yeah so coming here it's, it's figuring out what's going to be the best thing to do as far as how to start expanding the network and after talking to everyone the various people and chatting it through both friends in australia friends here through my wife friends through yeah anyone i've met and a lot of it was it initially was um introductions so yeah. I'd ask person A and they'd say, oh, I know person B, C and D. They live yeah. in LA. I'll introduce you. And then you hit them up. And then, you, and then when I first got here, basically the first six months, I was just going on coffees, going and have a yeah. beer, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and just to, just to chat. And, yeah. I, and some of those, like I, I would have had like, I don't know how many, lots of those chats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was awesome and it was some of them have led to nothing yeah. and some have learnt, le- learnt, uh, have led to lots yeah and also it's about it's just about a t- time like that network that i built up over <laughs> my time in melbourne yeah you, there's just no way of rushing that yeah yeah the only way you can rush it the same as being an artist like yeah unless you ride a riptide like Vance joy did there's yeah. no there's no skipping any skeps, steps. You've just got to do the slog and, you yeah. know, just do it. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Um, so here then it's sl- like some meetings um, that I had a year ago. Then then it's like get an email saying, oh, can you do this mix or can you record this session or yeah. whatever it might be. And then out of that, I, f- I really find it much so valuable here. I think because I, because now I can see what I had in in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. The music industry is 
kind of small and you kind of know everyone. So mm. um, when I meet a new person, a mm. new artist, for example, that I haven't met, mm. and then especially like if it's uh, a band, like there's going to be four of them. Mm. <laughs> it's exciting for me because it's like, that's like potentially like 50 people I can meet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where that may be a professional relationship, might be to go surfing on the weekend. It might be, who knows? But yeah, um, you could really turn, you just don't know what it's going to turn into. And then, yeah. um, so it's just been the slow, just chipping away, just doing everything I did mm. with the advantage of I've done it. So I know, yeah. um, you know, I, I it was interesting. You, you mentioned you had a mentor when you're in. Um, you had Claire when you're um, in Berlin mm. around that time. I was really trying really hard to find a mentor here, mm. and I searched and I offered to pay some people. And mm-hmm. interestingly, nothing. I could. I just couldn't find anyone mm-hmm. suitable. Which I think was basically. I'm kind of like too. I'm not young enough and inexperienced enough to I'm sort of but not I'm not big enough to be world famous <laughs> <laughs> yeah like in the middle yeah so um so I'm not I'm sort of not value as well I am valuable to someone to take mm. on but it was just it was a hard sell I guess yeah yeah I'm already established I am making records that are listening yeah. to the world so but I'm, it was just that interesting middle ground. So then yeah. it was a bit of a realisation. It's like, well, no one's going to do this for me. Mm-hmm. I can be my own mentor. Yeah. I can sort of, by looking at other people's careers, which is, yeah. Instagram's a great thing for that. Yeah. Just like looking at people that I admire's Instagram and seeing yeah. what they do. Yeah. That, that's my mentor, you know, <laughs> like yeah. seeing... Oh, if, if Sean Everett's working with this person now, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Oh, that producer works with this band. Oh, interesting. Mm. Oh, I'm the drummer from that band. Oh, interesting. So, so yeah. it's just like they're doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, we're all doing the same thing. And whichever level you're at, you always think you've got further to go, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so it's, it's a just, never ending journey of, Learning and progressing and yeah, learning and everything. Which I is think exciting. it's exciting. It makes it exciting. Like you said, you mentioned professional development, which was somewhat what the album's about, right? Was that yeah? Saying that, that was kind of. I didn't even that word. I didn't even contemplate thinking about before yeah. thinking about this move to LA. Yeah, right, right. And then thinking about well, if I'm going to come here, like what? What's the point? What? Why? You know, yeah. and how am I going to benefit? Am I going to benefit by watching someone else work? Mm. Probably, yes. Mm. But it's hard for me because I'm not 20 years old. Mm. You know, then like if, if someone asked me if they, if they could make cups of tea for me in this little space, mm. the reality is it's like, well, you can come and have a chat. I'd love to have a chat, but mm. beyond that, probably not suitable. Yeah. So 
So I was figuring out how to do it. And really the bottom line is, well, just you just got to do it yourself. Just <laughs> keep going. And yeah. that's what I did. Like this studio was, it, this is our one-car garage at home. Yeah. And I asked the landlord that we don't own the house. And I asked him, what do you think I can build a studio in there? I don't think he really <laughs> knew the degree of the studio that I was going to yeah, build. Yeah. But so I just built it and then just did it. And yeah. now I've got soundproof studio, which is like 10 feet from my, from my back door. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great. It's just creating. I just found I've just got to create it myself. And yeah. then it will slowly work. And I'm yeah. very fortunate to still have the Australian um, networks that I have yeah, with artists and not even just artists but managers and labels in Australia, I'll still get work from them yeah. here, mixing yeah. work. Yeah. Or lots of Australian artists have asked me to do and I've done tours with Alex Leahy and oh, a yeah, cool. bunch of bands that have Australian-based but come here, Courtney Barnett, come here and... Yeah. It's a great sell because I can just jump on. I can speak the language, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the vibe, the Aussie vibe. Yeah. And I'm on the ground and I could call and advance the tour. And Yeah, yeah and for them it's such a benefit too, um, like having you there already because, you know, I've looked at going to the US and visas is just such an epic thing to overcome and, yeah. and paying for someone's flight from Australia. To, so that's, yeah. that's a boon for them. They get an awesome sound engineer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky and, and through, because I'm married an American, I'm, I've got a permanent resident. I'm a green card. Oh, that's, that's so good. It's great. I'm, I'm very lucky. I, I remember t- just before I left, I was like looking at, like I was basically looking at Newmarket, what I'd built, because Newmarket had been there for, for years, but like it had been there since 86. Mm. Long time, but I'd sort of opened it up to indie music and into, let's call it the Triple J scene kind of thing. Like I'd yeah, opened yeah. world. It was predominantly jazz and classical. They did some rock and roll records, mm. but but um, not a lot. Yeah. So that I opened that up, built up the um, that world, <clears throat> and then I, was, I felt like like we're finally in a position that everything's going great. Studios. <laughs> I'm throwing it all away. I'm out of here. Yeah, that's right. And then my friend said to me, just remember, like, this is, there'd be, like, like an endless endless list of people that would kill to do what I'm doing. Mm, mm. to them. I have the visa, like, mm. the green card way cheaper than a visa. Like, it's like, I'm so yeah. lucky, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Remembering that, when, when it's all a bit tough, like, I remember mm. that conversation. It's like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it feels like um, it's a natural part of your trajectory of what you've been doing. To it's kind of like I thought about this also with music and the Melbourne music scene or whatever. You can become that big fish in a small pond, or mm-hmm. kind of go off and take a leap and become a small fish again in a bigger pond. Because you know the the analogy of goldfish they grow to the to the extent of their environment and. It, I think that's really true. You know, you put yourself in a new environment of, of LA where there's lots of stuff happening. There's lots of opportunity. It's obviously challenging, has its challenges, but the upside is potentially so so much greater 
that it's, yeah. and I guess you've made this calculation that it's worth the risk, you know, to kind of right, yeah. put that aside and then kind of start from scratch again. So it's yeah. a, it's a very, um, yeah, it's an admirable uh, move, you know, this, I think risk taking is just an important part of developing as a, as a human, but as a creative person, I think it's, if uh, if the if your tolerance for risk is really low, yeah, I think the industry kind of spits you out pretty quick, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, have to be and willing to take a couple of risks. That's right, yeah, and and I think and that got me thinking, like the getting back to the prof- professional development, like it's like, oh yeah, this is actually this is it's kind of perfect timing for me, like mm. I've had. So I've had 15 years in Melbourne building up my career, mm. building up my client base, building up the artists that I've worked with. And now like, I mean, nothing, nothing wrong with staying in Melbourne. Melbourne's mm. got incredible music. Absolutely. And I miss it every day, but the, <laughs> but then the, it's like perfect, you know, and, and I don't know, we, we don't know as a family whether it will be forever or whether it will be. Yeah. We're, we're looking at it in blocks of five years and then we, we make a decision cool. every five years. So cool. that's great. Which one thing that, that has been really helpful coming here because I come meet all these different people and meet, find all these amazing studios. Um, mm. That's one thing that's incredible about LA. Like mm. say, say new market that, at that level in, in Melbourne, there's, I don't know, maybe, let's say 10 or 20 of that level studios, probably not even 20, probably 10. Yeah. yeah I'd say <laughs> I've visited then, them a lot, a lot of them. Right. right. <laughs> new market was very much at the top. And there's like one or two that are above new market and mm. then there's new market and mm. other 10 yeah, and then small. The, the, the next level down. Yeah. Here, new market <laughs> would be on the low, lowest edge of things. <laughs> right. Plenty of lower than that, but, but, and, but there'd be, I, I'd guess, easily 5,000 of those. Oh, <laughs> because have, because there's lots of money here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have private studios. Yeah. And a lot of the private studios are like better than new markets. Incredible. Yeah, wow. Well, meet someone who might be a musician, might be an engineer. Could, yeah. In between and meet in their studio and it's like, oh my God, you've got like four U47s. Like that's incredible. <laughs> yeah yeah amazing amazing there's just so much of it yeah wanting at first but it's it shows you that there's it's just you've got to look at it as exciting you know yeah yeah so we we might start winding this baby up um i could i mean i feel like again we're just scratching the surface even i'd love to go deeper into the transition into la and just getting that little nugget is a bit like mind blowing of like just the amount of studios and high quality sort of studios and the money that's just sloshing around in LA for, you know, sound, sound stuff. If you can kind of tap into it, sounds like uh, amazing potential. So yeah, we've covered some really great stuff here, like through your journey. Um, one of the questions I find interesting is is if you if you did go back to say you were mentoring someone or you were mentoring yourself back in the right. day, um, you know your twenty year old self or whatever. 
what are what are some of the key things you would tell them to do and not do? Great question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, because it's interesting because I think about that, like say we're talking about the career, like the start of my career, I was not doing anything related to audio or music. Mm. So in a sense I could say, Callum, don't just go straight for that. But yeah, yeah. I think it was kind of perfect that it, and, it, and that it was just two years Mm. Enough to get that moving out of home, mm. being 18, having a license, being able to go to the pub, like mm. getting that out of my system before mm. going. Because I don't think, I'm sure I would have loved it, but I don't think I would have got as much out of it. So, yeah, I don't think I would say, don't do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd say, do the same thing. The thing that I would say is, would be to like dive a bit deeper with. Well, maybe reach higher for the stars. Mm. That would be because I'd think about, like, say, um, say assisting at Newmarket. Like, that was, I was super lucky that I got that pretty mm. early. And um, because after me being a um, manager of Newmarket, I got all, I and um, in the last sort of five years, and. And there's a lot more universities offering sound engineering. So there's a mm-hmm. lot more looking for work experience. Yep. So my experience of managing new markets, the, the number one email inquiry that I would get is mm. working well wow. over recording inquiries. Wow. So it's super um, competitive just to get an unpaid job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and when we were recording, you had an assistant there, uh, Angus. Oh, Angus, yeah, nice. Angus, who, um, yeah, he, he was great and just oh, yeah. soaking up the vibes. Oh, yeah. We had, um, I, it, it was, I mean, it's awesome to have them and it, it's just so crazy how many mm. uh, inquiries we get. Yeah. And um, so, so I was really lucky to get that early on. But so then I think I got comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's really hard to think because then, and then I went to Bakehouse yeah. Lower studio, but the contacts I got out of that, the contacts and the networking, mm. even though the level of studio was lower, mm. like I, th- I think it helped me to get my name in a sense. Because I was going to say maybe dive deeper, like for instance, Sing Sing, which is an amazing studio, yeah, and uh, who I've now done lots of work out of, but as an engineer, mm. but I did try to get some work experience assistant work there earlier on, but I didn't try very hard. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that would be one regret is like just try a bit harder. But yeah. in saying that, the It's assistant, an impossible question, isn't it? <laughs> but then, you know, in a sense I've got, I was lucky because I skipped the assistant path at, New, at Sing Sing and I went straight to an engineer. Yeah, Not, yeah, yeah. I didn't get work from them, but I'd bring clients in and yeah, work. Yeah, yeah studios so i think and then also just about also with the touring because a lot of the uh more known bands that i would work with both in the studio and and live yeah um, i think i'd try and dive a bit deeper in trying to get more of those known mm. artists mm. yeah cool so just having a little bit more of a strategy to be consistently reaching out to 
that next level of artist or next level of studio or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But kind of, yeah, like just a little bit beyond where you are, whatever yeah, yeah. it might be. Yeah. Uh, I think that's great advice. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, awesome. It's been really great chatting. Yeah. Because when, when we're in the studio, you know, you get a sense of each other and you get to have a bit of a chat. But this has been a great opportunity to actually, you know, learn more about you and your journey yeah. and, and what you're doing. I, I enjoy talking about it. I hope someone can yeah. get something. Yeah, I'd love to do a part two. We should, we should catch up again in a couple of months or something. Maybe when... Or on the LA studios in part two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get, get the full lowdown. Um, yeah. And so if anyone is loving what they're hearing from you, where's the best place they can go check out, you know, who you've worked yeah. with and what you're doing and how to work with you? My um, website, which is calambata.com, yeah. uh, is probably the best place to go. But, and then for more of a bit more of an entertaining um, or somewhat entertaining, I think it's entertaining, <laughs> it would be my Instagram, which is calbarta, C-A-L-B-A-R-T-E-R, yeah. on Instagram, which is, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's got more of day-to-day and I post most of, most releases that I've worked on and um, also a bit of LA life in the stories. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, great tour pics <clears throat> with Courtney yeah, and right. exactly. stuff. Yeah, yeah, people should definitely definitely follow you there. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, well thanks, thank man. Yeah. Enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and um, keep on writing those amazing songs. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Cheers. See you, man. Bye. Bye. All right, cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Cal. He is one smooth dude. So thanks again to Cal for sharing all the ins and outs of his life in, you know, sound engineering. So if you want to learn more about Cal's work, you can um, go to calumbata.com. So there'll be links in the show notes to all of this as well, but it's C-A-L-L-U-M-B-A-R-T-E-R.com. You should get in touch with him. Um, you can find him on all the social links that he shared. Um, while you're there, you can also get a free download of a few of uh, exclusive tracks of mine from Golden Moment and other tracks by going to meobiskin.com slash free music as one word. And if you like to hear some more of his engineering on Golden Moment, head to meobiskin.com to stream it and you can get yourself a signed copy sent to your door anywhere in the world, special for podcast listeners. So um, wherever you're watching this, I hope you enjoyed it. And please subscribe to get notifications of future episodes. Give us a thumbs up or a rating or a like. Um, And please, if if it's available to you, join the conversation beneath this uh, video or audio with the community below. I always love hearing from you. And the conversation doesn't really stop when the podcast stops. It's really a prompter for us to talk about this topic further. So thanks for listening and bye for now.